just covered in hair Girl, in my shed. It's ridiculous. Uh, to love me is to accept that my hair will end up on everything you own. Doesn't matter if I've had contact with it or not. Oh yeah. It will end up there. I am a serial killer's nightmare. I just am dropping DNA everywhere constantly. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this is a weird way to launch into this episode, but I am so on board with it. So on board with it. Welcome to another fucking horror podcast. I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Traden. Girl, how are you? I'm fucking amazing. How are you? I'm doing well, other than the hair randomly going in my mouth right before we're going to record. <laughs> I told you, it's too relatable. Every girl knows. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? <sighs> Literally, the se- she clicked record and then I go to and I was like what the fuck <laughs> here we are it's very apropos for where I, how I feel today <laughs> yes yes how are you you just got back from Florida I did I, I had to go and, and take care of some stuff uh down with the fam nice but I am back uh I'm with so a happy. vengeance Me fuck too. yeah and vengeance. uh I had to do a lot of stuff outside oh and didn't realize how much time I was spending outside. So definitely burned my back in a non-optimal suntan way. Yeah. Yeah. You're not super burned though, I will say. No, I'm definitely not. Like I'm someone that I get red and then like two days later I'm brown. Yeah. Like I don't burn, burn. (sighs) Cuban skin, baby. Girl. Yeah. I I still have tan lines that I got from a sunburn two years ago. Girl. Two years ago. Girl. Girl. Oof, we gotta go to the beach. Is that no? Even I'm, you out. Mm, no. <laughs> I'm like so pale that I'm translucent. Like that's the level that I'm at. You, I, you have that really beautiful alabaster skin. Oh, thank you. Yeah. that's so so sweet. I don't think I always feel like I am literally translucent, and you can see all no. of my veins. But thank you. Like you have the type of skin that you could rock any hair color and look amazing. <gasps> I want to go lavender so badly. <gasps> it's like my secret dream. I've never done it, yes. but I want to so badly. I fully support this dream. Yay! Yeah. Good. Uh, also, if you may recall, the last time we recorded, your birthday had just happened. Yes. We're missing one gift. Yes. The gift is here. <laughs> my birthday is like, just keeps on giving this year. It keeps it on giving. It has not ended. Oh it's, my God. It's in a Sephora adorable. bag, but it's not Sephora, so don't get oh, excited okay. don't slash get excited. disappointed. No. I don't know. Everyone should be excited about Sephora. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about everything that you bring <laughs> me because you always bring me the most wonderful, lovely things, and I'm... <gasps> Oh my God. I literally can't handle my life. I haven't even like fully opened this. I just glanced the corner of it. I know exactly what this is. And I I almost want to cry right now. Oh my God. Okay. So ages ago, Monique sent me a story on Instagram from... Who the fuck knows? I couldn't tell you. It was... Was it Dandy? Maybe it was Dandy. I think it was Dandy. Yeah. Dandy Dillinger, who had a... The mummy t-shirt, but it says the mummy question mark, more like the daddy. And it has a <laughs> sexy as fuck Brendan Fraser picture on it. And I am losing my goddamn mind, Monique. You needed it. I was actually thinking about this the other day. And because, you know, Instagram stories disappear, like it was gone from my uh-huh. our conversations that I like, was trying to show it to me. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even like see it anymore. This is so sad. I'm so upset. You have it forever now. I love you so fucking much. <laughs> I like didn't think you could top the the snake keychain clutch. It's so fucking cute. I got you, girl. <gasps> All right, I have to post this too because it's fucking. It's too. It's too cute. I can't so handle good. it. Mm, he's so gorgeous. He's really hot. He's, ugh. Yes, daddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've ever said that in my life, but ugh. 
get it. Monique, you're fucking amazing. You're fucking I, like, amazing. I, I kind of want to kiss you right now. You're so beautiful. And you're so beautiful. You know me so much. So well. I love you. I love you so much. Happy birthday. <gasps> you're amazing. Holy shit. The bar has been raised. Like, when your birthday comes up, I have to, like... <laughs> Last year, she got me a bottle of gin, and that was my favorite fucking gift ever. Let me fucking tell you. It was amazing. I have to step it up and bring my A game next year, though. For real. I can't get over it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This was worth the wait. You're totally right. This is amazing. Yeah. I was like, come on. It was necessary. Oh, my God. The fact that even such a thing exists, like, just, uh warms the cockles of my heart. I always say it. The internet is simultaneously a horrible and beautiful place. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is 100% true. Yes. Yeah. And this is an example of its magnificence. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. <laughs> <it is. laughs> Thank you so much again. You're amazing. You're welcome. You're amazing. Happy that- birthday, my Thank love. Thank you. I was like, it keeps on giving. And that was like the best little like cherry on top to yeah. finish finish off my whole like two week long birthday. I love it. I know. You're amazing. You're amazing. In addition to this wonderful birthday gift, do you have a paranormal, creepy, spooky haunting story for me so i actually have one more birthday gift oh my god woman i can't even handle it okay i'm doing an alien story for you (gasps) (laughs) how do you make me this i didn't think anything could get me more excited than the goddamn t-shirt girl yeah I don't deserve you. Stop. Facts. I don't deserve you. I'm obsessed with you. You're amazing. You make my life better just by being in it. (laughs) Likewise. Rock my fucking world. I'm here for this. Uh, So in 1993, I don't remember if any of you, especially if you're a contemporary of mine, had access to HBO and your parents didn't really give a shit what you watched, as we've talked about many times with Real Sex and Taxi Cab Confessions. It's my favorite. Thanks, guys. So in 1993, uh, a movie came out called Fire in the Sky, which I watched approximately nine years old and traumatized (gasps) the fuck out of me. Really? And I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in that. So we are going to be talking today, I am rather, about Travis Walton whom Fire in the Sky is based on. Yes. I'm so here for this. <laughs> so, uh, sources, mysteriousuniverse.org, Wikipedia, TravisWalton.com, and I had to go to the OG's last podcast on the left. Fuck yes. You know, and it's on a side note, they did an episode years and years and years ago about this. And I've been listening to them kind of... Uh, is consecutively the correct uh, I guess like as yeah I, religiously I guess so like whenever like when they drop an episode as I listen to it I don't go back and listen to old episodes for the most part okay yeah and it's very interesting to hear all of the like mic bumps and things oh that, really the little yeah the imperfections the bane of our existence <laughs> and it's like they did it too we're okay <laughs> we're okay stars they're just like us okay who knew <laughs> Um, all right, so let's get into it. Fuck yes. On November 5th, 1975, 22-year-old lumberjack Travis Walton was working with a timber stand improvement crew of six other guys in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest near Snowflake, Arizona. Mike Rogers, the head of the crew, had a contract with the Forest Service to clear out some brush, but he had two other contracts that he was behind schedule on, so his crew was working like dawn till dusk every day to stay on time, which, woof, that fucking sucks. Yeah. 
At 6 p.m. that day, the seven men were on their way back to Snowflake when they saw a strange fire-like yellowish light in the sky, but they smelled no smoke. As the car got closer, they noticed the light was coming from a golden flying saucer. <gasps> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Rogers stopped the truck and turned off the car, and as the seven men stared at the craft, it didn't move an inch projecting a soft blue light directly below and making a high-pitched buzz noise. Travis opened the passenger door and got out of the truck to investigate and walked directly under the object. Last podcast noted, quote, As he drew closer, he could hear a mix of low and high-pitched sounds, beep-beeping, superimposed over a sound of heavy machinery somehow softened, end quote. Okay. That's really That's a, specific. And very strange, yes. Yeah. That I don't even really understand how to process that. Yeah. Like what that sounds like. It's too much for a little human brain. Exactly. Yeah. But it sounds like that, apparently. Okay. When Travis got directly under the beam, the sounds got louder, as if huge turbines were revving up, and for the first time, the craft moved, wobbling from side to side. And this is the moment when Travis realized he should probably stop fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> with something he has zero business fucking around with, and he started backing up. But before he could get out of the blue glow from beneath the craft, the light suddenly changed from blue to blue-green. Uh-oh. Uh-uh. Never a good sign. Bad, it, yeah. Red flag. Just after the light changed, Travis was lifted into the air and knocked back 10 feet where he landed hard, knocking him unconscious. Jesus! And granted, this- That's really hard. Yes! Yeah! And the six other men in the truck are watching this happen. Holy fuck. And they freak the fuck out and they think that Travis has just been killed. So they like hightail it the fuck out of there. Mike <gasps> Mike Rogers, the driver of the truck, just like peels off, like getting the fuck out of there. I mean, Mike, I kind of get it, but like that's a that's a dick friend move. I'm not going to lie. Same. <laughs> I <laughs> Like I get that and that panic, that visceral, I just like have to get the fuck out of here. But dude, it's your friend. Yeah. I feel leave him in the fucking woods with the fucking UFO. Right. I feel both of these things very viscerally. Yes. I understand both of them very viscerally. <laughs> yes. Again, I'm, I'm a freezer. Yes. That's the, I don't even think I'd, I'd flee. I'd just be like, <gasps> and that's where I would be for like 20 minutes. <laughs> Until they found me. Yes. I would be the Still scream. Still frozen. <laughs> the frozen scream. Mike stopped about a quarter mile down the road and the six argued amongst themselves if they should go back. It was eventually agreed that someone would stay behind and build a campfire while the others would go back and see what the fuck happened to Travis. Mike saw the UFO rise above the trees and fly away at an impossible, unworldly speed. After seeing the spaceship leave, they went back for Travis, but he was gone. They couldn't find him anywhere. <sighs> fuck. At 7.30 p.m., an hour and a half after the alleged incident, the crew contacted the police. Deputy Sheriff Chuck Ellison met the boys, and I say boys because they're really young. The oldest is Mike Rogers, who was 28, and the youngest, Steve Pierce, was just 16 years old. Damn. They're fucking young, which even be like loggers at 16? Like, yeah. Fuck. I mean, I know you got to get paid and whatever, but it seems like dangerous work. Uh, very dangerous work. But For I'm sure even a grown adult, yes. But I'm sure it probably pays well because it's dangerous. Yes. I'm not a logger, obviously. I'm a city hick. <laughs> You're not a lumberjack in your spare time, honey? Come on. Shockingly. <laughs> but you rock flannel so well. Do I? I'm pretty sure I don't. I don't think I've ever seen you in flannel. Yeah, because I don't. 
I don't rock it well. I look like an asshole. Do you? Yes. No. I think you'd look cute. I think you can rock it. I appreciate that, but I know I know better. Okay. <laughs> Which is why you never see me in flannel. Fair enough. Ellison met the crew in a shopping center parking lot and found them all visibly upset, some with tears in their eyes. Fuck. Which these are like strong lumberjack men. Lumberjacks. Like, I don't mean to stereotype, but like, come on. They've seen, seen some shit. They probably have missing limbs. Like, yes, let's be fucking real. Seriously. Ellison said, quote, if they were acting, they were awfully good at it. End quote. Mm. They contacted Travis's mother, who acted calm when she got the news, something that skeptics would later point to as suspicious. Within two days, the abduction story had been picked up worldwide. And in case you forgot, this is 1975. Oh, shit. There's no internet. There's no nothing. So yeah. for this to have Get gone around. global... Is a big deal. It's a huge fucking deal. And almost like near impossible for just random people. This isn't like Elvis or something. These are some people in Snowflake, Arizona. Yeah, who just, the local paper picks it up and then a national paper picks it up. Exactly. International paper pick it up and holy shit, now you're on the fucking news. Everyone knows your name. So the entire world is like, oh my God, this guy got fucking abducted and six of his coworkers saw it happen. Watched the whole thing. Crazy. Yeah. Where the working police theory was that one or all of the crew had murdered Travis on purpose or by accident and had concocted the UFO story to cover it up. I mean, because yes, that seems like the most likely explanation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And when Travis still hadn't shown up by Monday, all six loggers were subjected to a polygraph test. The first of dozens. Damn. They were each asked the same three questions. If they had caused Travis serious physical injury if his body was hidden or buried, and if they had seen a UFO. The six answered no to the first two and yes to the last. Five out of the six men passed the polygraph. (gasps) The six came back inconclusive because the six was administered to Alan Dallas, who was a shifty drifter and he didn't like being asked questions. (laughs) He was just, as soon as they hooked him out to the polygraph, he was just like, nope, uh, nope, 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 nope. It's going crazy. Yeah. Exactly. I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. Exactly. Which, like, obviously you can fool a polygraph, but, like, for all five of them... That's what I'm saying. ...to fool the polygraph. And again, this is... Like, and they're young kids. It's not like you have training fooling a polygraph. It's not like you've, and you you're a career criminal and you've been taking polygraphs forever and you're like, this is fucking nothing to me. Like, exactly. And you don't have the internet. So it's yeah. not like, I'm just going to give us a quick goog on how my way to the to, station. Yeah. How to fool a polygraph test. Yeah. Thanks. The believers outweighed the skeptics with the Walton family leading the pack. The Walton patriarch was a huge UFO nut who abandoned them at a young age, which, fuck you. Okay. And while their father never returned, he left his fascination of aliens and UFOs behind with the rest of the Walton family, including Travis's mother and older brother, Dwayne. UFOs were a regular topic of conversation in the Walton household, and the brothers agreed that if they ever came across a UFO, the best course of action would be to get immediately below the UFO to (laughs) marry... To maximize the chance of abduction. Girl, we are so not the same person. Of course. Because you obviously totally want to get abducted. Like, goal number one. Yeah. Obviously. You see something, you get right underneath and be like, hi, hi, I'm here. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Do you have like flares? Are you going my way? Like, (laughs) BB gun, you can shoot at it. Like, what? Can you drop me off in Tulsa? What is, like, we are not the same person. No. No, clearly not. They even had a pact that if one of them had gotten abducted, that they'd try to convince the aliens to go pick up the other brother so that they could both have the experience. 
I'm the only one who's like, that's really sweet. That's like really, I love that so much. When I, I want to get to that level with somebody where I have the alien abduction pact where I'm like, when I read this, that. I was like, this is Amy's jam. That is so my jam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start doing it with the strangers. Like, hey, you want to make an alien abduction pact? Like, you get abducted by aliens. Fuck a murder trust. Alien abduction pact. Alien abduction pact. <laughs> Fuck yeah. How about I do this? If if I get abducted by aliens, I'll be like, you know who would be super into this? <laughs> I've got a girl for you. Let's just do just a little trainsies. A little swapsies. I'll volunteer for that. Yeah. I'll volunteer as tribute for your alien abduction, <laughs> Monique. Upon hearing what had supposedly happened to his brother, Dwayne said that he wholeheartedly believed the UFOs were friendly and that Travis would be returned safely. The only thing that bothered Dwayne was that he wasn't along for the ride. <laughs> he's pissed. <laughs> I get that. This is, it's so wild to me that he's like, man, everything cool happens to Travis. <laughs> this fucking sucks, man. I don't get anything. <laughs> this is the wildest shit to me a weird sibling rivalry but like i guess yeah so given that this became worldwide news several ufo groups came knocking in 1960 the government released the condom report which stated that the official u.s government stance was that ufos weren't a thing and they're not real and this is the report that got project blue book closed yeah which project blue book was basically the government's you're like hey what's up with ufos like study into ufos yeah bullshit I mean, and now they're kind of like, mm, just kidding. We see UFOs literally all the fucking time. All the time. Like literally every day. Just like nonstop. It's cool. Literally nonstop. But as a result of this, civilians took over by forming their own groups and they would investigate the alleged incidents and sightings. Fuck yeah. And of course, and William Spaulding, the Western director of the Ground Saucer Watch or GSW, came knocking on the Walton's door. Spalding said he would perform a free medical examination of Travis if he ever returned, emphasizing the importance of securing a sample of Travis's, quote, first avoided specimen, end quote, uh, a.k.a. His jizz? His piss. Oh, better. Yeah, much better. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, that is an awkward request, doctor. I don't think I want you to be sampling me. Yeah. Especially <laughs> if it's safe to assume that if you're... If you've been abducted, they've probably done all the sampling anyway. Yeah. You're like, the last thing I need is any more of this. I don't, yeah. I don't want to be probed by you, you, sir. Thank you. Terrestrially. Exactly. On November 10th, five days after Travis Walton had gone missing, he called his sister Collect at 12.05 a.m. from an Exxon station in Haber, Arizona, 33 miles away. She called Dwayne and they got in a truck and headed over to go get their missing brother. When they arrived... They found a delirious, dehydrated, and incredibly irritable Travis slumped over inside the phone booth. Damn. Instead of letting the authorities know that Travis, who, mind you, they believed had been murdered, was found alive, Dwayne hit up Spalding instead. He was like, hey, yeah, my brother's back. Hey, to give him a first <laughs> crack at that specimen. <laughs> Gotta get the piss, Moni. Got to. <laughs> so they drove 144 <gasps> miles, almost get three hours in the middle of the night to give it to him. Yeah, it's like two in the fucking morning. It's midnight, yeah. Yeah. When they, well, it's midnight when they, when he gets, when they call, call. him. Okay. So by the time it's, he's 33 miles away. She needs to corral Dwayne and everyone else. So maybe it's like another, so it's like four in the morning basically, by the time they show up. Ridiculous. When they arrived, they were met by Dr. Lester Stewart, 
But when they asked him for his credentials, it turned out that he was a hypnotherapist and not like an actual doctor. Okay. But they gave him that first voided specimen anyway. And when the sample was analyzed, there were no alcohol or drugs found in his system. However, I feel it is important to note that the doctor said he didn't see Travis piss into the cup, but that Dwayne had given the doctor a jar of piss and said that it was Travis's. <laughs> Super professional. So just it could have been anyone's piss. I have this like, mason jar that I carry around hey. full of my brother's piss, like NBD. It could have been anyone's piss. Like, so, you know, literally. Literally. Anyone's, yes. However, Travis had been missing for five days and they find him and then they have to go three fucking hours, a three hour drive yeah, to get not, there. He's not making it without going to the bathroom. That's what the fuck I'm saying. Yeah. I don't make it through a fucking episode without going to the bathroom like no. twice. I would have peed in that jar twice on that trip. Are you kidding me? Exactly. So it's really reasonable to believe, I think, that he would have needed to take a leak and... They wanted to save the sample. They wanted to save it because so it was like, a big deal. Yeah, okay. But do with that information what you will. You have both sides. Okay. By Tuesday night, Travis had returned to Snowflake, and that's when they got a call from another UFO team, the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, or APRO. Unlike GSW, APRO had money, resources, and a powerful ally in the National Enquirer. Dwayne promptly cut ties with the GSW and sided with APRO and their funds instead. With the resources of the National Enquirer, APRO was able to hire their own hypnotherapist, who was able to unlock Travis's memories. In his session, Travis recalled the moment the beam of blue-greenish light hit him, causing him to completely black out. When he woke up, he was lying on a table in a hospital-like room with an intense pain in his head and chest. The air in the room was so heavy and humid that he could hardly breathe. Ugh. No thank you. No fucking thank you. Get out of here. I'm from Miami Beach, and even that is oppressive. Yes, facts. Travis heard movement, and as his eyes adjusted... He saw three short, bald alien creatures. <gasps> yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, hey, guys. You're so funny. I'm like, this is my worst <laughs> fucking nightmare. And I'm like, hey, hey, guys. I literally, I started rewatching the movie and I was kind of like, one, I don't really have time. Two, I was like, do I need to do this to myself right now? <laughs> Probably I was not. so traumatized Probably by this not. whole scene. It's, yeah. And just how much he's like screaming and freaking, the actor screaming and freaking the fuck out in the scene. Then I was like, I don't need to do this again. I don't need to do this. Um, it's a great movie from what I remember. It I, might be trash, but... Is it a dramatization or is it a documentary? No, it's it's like a, a movie. Okay. It's just a regular movie. So yes, a dramatization. I guess that's what that would that be is, called, right? Yes. Yeah. There I you go. I hope so. I don't know. Girl, this is your industry. You know the terms. I know, I you're just, fucking me up here. I just pretend. <laughs> <laughs> Travis said, quote, I looked at the vague but reassuring forms of the doctors around me. Abruptly, my vision cleared. The sudden horror of what I saw rocked me as I realized I was definitely not in a hospital. I was looking square into the face of a horrible creature, with huge, luminous brown eyes the size of quarters. I looked frantically around me. There were three of them. Hysteria overcame me instantly. End quote. I mean, I get it. That's fucking terrifying. No. As giddy as I am, I'm still terrified. It's still horrifying. Yeah. This is a scream for the rest of your life. And never stop. And never stop. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I would still be screaming, Monique, just in the the hospital screaming. Absolutely. The creatures were under five feet tall with large bald heads, huge brown eyes, 
no eyelashes, no eyebrows, white marshmallowy skin, Aww. as uh, um, Travis said, marshmallowy. <laughs> marshmallowy. I always thought it was marshmallowy, but I guess it's marshmallowy. I don't know. That's what Travis said. Marshmallowy. With a small mouth, ears, and nose. But Travis did say that the mouth, ears, and nose could have been normal human-sized, but that they look small compared to the really huge head and eyes. Upon seeing the beings, he freaked the fuck out and hit one of them. And Travis <gasps> noted that they were surprisingly light. Oh, okay. And that when he hit him, the creature like knocked into the other and both of them went falling to the ground. Like it kind of reminded me of, I don't know if you ever played with those like inflatable like bowling sets. Yeah. Like that's kind of what it reminded me of that it was just like immediately they fell to the ground. I can kind of picture that. Especially if they're super short and like, yeah, yeah skinny. They don't weigh that much. Like they're top heavy. Yeah. Right? I'm impressed that like Travis was like, bitch, get away from me and like fucking backhanded one of these things. Yeah, basically. So Travis stood up and backed up against the wall where he saw some shelves and had spotted a clear tube that he thought he could break the end off of and use it to stab them or beat the aliens. But he found the tube was unbreakable. Also, it just seems to me like, like, you know how people are like, if I were in this situation, I would totally behave this way. And then you're in the situation, you realize you don't behave that way at all. No, not at all. So like, in case you missed it, there is no like... Hey, so you know who'd be super into this? My brother. And I think we should just like circle on over there. He's freaking the fuck out. (laughs) I was like, he did not bring up his brother at all. No. Which I'm like, this is the correct response. Yes. To freak the fuck out. He's like, don't touch me. I need to get the fuck out of here. I need to get the fuck out of here. And the aliens appeared to try to calm Travis down. Apparently they put their hands up in the air like, Okay, okay, shh, 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 cool, cool, cool. Like, you know. They've probably never encountered this before. of just like somebody losing their fucking shit completely. And I like, would imagine. smacked me. Like, <laughs> how could they not encounter it before? I don't know. I don't fucking know. I don't know. This is your domain. I feel like most people just kind of accept it. I've never heard of anybody else really like fighting back ever. Maybe I haven't read enough stories. I mean... I would, I don't know about fighting back, but I'd be screaming for the rest of my fucking life. Yes. Also, this kind of plays into the alien apathy thing. Like a lot of times they have that where they don't even really like, there's no sense of emotion or anything. Even that like dim sense of fear is like, they can't move a lot of the time. Kurt Russell. Hmm, Look at that. Look at that. Hmm. Yeah. So they're, it looks like they're trying to calm them down, but again, they're not talking. And when they kind of put together that they're not able to do so, they hurried out of the room, taking a right down the corridor with Travis following behind them, but turning left instead. Okay. Travis noted that the craft was a brush metal gray color, not dissimilar to the back of the shiny part of a piece of aluminum foil. Okay. He also noted that there were no seams in the hall. Travis walked down the hallway until a door opened to his right. There he found a room with nothing in it but a metal chair on a single pole sitting in the middle facing the other direction. The closer he got to the chair the dimmer the lights around him got. And the dimmer it got, the more he could see stars all around him. (sighs) This sounds like a fucking great room, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a a 360 planetarium. Yeah. On the chair, he saw a panel of buttons and a small green screen on the right armrest. On the left, there was a leper. Travis noticed some rectangular patterns on the wall, which he thought were doors. And he thought that maybe one of the buttons on the armrest could open it. So he just starts pushing away. I, like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Super 
smart. See, because I don't, I'm just gonna push all these alien buttons in this ship. I don't know anything about. Like, it's cool. There's no self destruct button. Like, I'm sure all this is fine. See, and this is the thing. I thought about it. I'm like, okay, if I were in this situation, one, okay, goes without saying, screaming for the rest of my life and never stopping, obviously. Yes. But I'm like, what the fuck would I do? Like, I. I'm sure that these are like an alien hieroglyphic, whatever the fuck. Yeah. There's not like That's a Rosetta Stone no. that you're like, this is what this Let means. me get the manual out real quick. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, what do you, okay. And it's like, let's assume you defeat all the aliens. Let's say you kill everyone on board and you're like, I'm victorious. How the fuck do you get home? Like, yeah. where the fuck even are you? Like, what? Like, what the fuck would you do? So I would feel that you have to kind of like be nice and be like, you're gonna let me go, right? Yeah. Or you gotta like, I have to like keep one hostage. Go to bottomless to, like, brunch tomorrow. <laughs> And I really don't want to cancel, like, because I had those reservations for, like, four weeks, so. <laughs> you guys could drop me off. That'd be really great. That'd Thanks. be great. Thank you so much. I'll even bring you back a doggy bag. Like, please. <laughs> like, I got um, you. But I also understand the, like, oh, my God, like, I need I to. I just panic. I'm I panic. Get I need like, to get the fuck out of here. push whatever button For sure. Push. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think logic and, and what's the best course of action is taking over here, um, which I completely understand, because this is fucking insane. Yeah. So he's. Going to town on the fucking buttons, and when nothing happened, he decided to try the lever. And when he pulled it, he noticed that all the stars in the room moved, but not out of their astrological position. It was almost as if the room he was in was actually a star map, and that the lever would <gasps> okay. change the direction you were looking at the stars. Oh, I love this. I mean, that's pretty fucking Can rad. I get this room? This sounds really cool. It does. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that. The rest of it is horrible. Yeah, we can, yeah. <laughs> We can skip the rest of it. It's fine. So after a little bit, Travis stopped fucking around with the buttons because he realized that they might not actually be the best idea in the world to be doing that. <laughs> then he heard a noise behind him and he turned around and saw what appeared to be a human man standing there. He was about six feet tall, well built, and wore a tight blue jumpsuit with a clear bubble helmet. He looked like a regular human, except that his eyes were larger than normal and shined bright gold. Oh, weird yeah okay so there's like one of two things when i read that that i was thinking okay one about your abduction story where they were like there's human beings doing the tests Do- here yes there was like crew members yeah there's crew members and also like this dude has a uniform and like so i'm like is this an actual person who like maybe like the eyes like look different or like maybe it's like a Are to you- like adjust or what or is this a- one of the hybrids is that what you're thinking I didn't even fucking think of that. Maybe it's a hybrid. That's where my brain went. Yeah. Because they they were that supposedly doing like all those, yeah, in Terry Lovelace's story, doing all those experiments on like, and they were like supposedly like harvesting semen and yeah, 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 and yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Repeatedly, like there's repeated stories of that. Oh no, I'm so. going with hybrid. Because the other one was that. Wait, what was your other suggestion? There's going to be like a, a man in black, but th- it's not off enough. Like, yeah. there's way more things with the men in black that are just usually off. Way yeah. off. Like, the hair's off, the lips are off, the coloring, then the coloring's like are off. Not just like your eyes are, are weird. And they're too gold. Yeah. Oh my God, it's a fucking hybrid. <gasps> Possible. That's what I'm thinking. All right. So, yeah. So, obviously, Travis started screaming when he saw the dude. <laughs> Never thought. Girl, yes. same. I got you. But the only response that the humanoid gave him was to smile, which is like oh, the creepiest shit. No, in the world. that just gave me full body chills. Mm-mm. I do not like that at all. Even if it's the nicest, most comforting smile in the fucking world, get out of here. I can't. No, thank you. <sighs> After Travis calmed down, the man took him by the arm out of the star room and into another room, and the atmosphere seemed to change from heavy humidity to a light coolness. The light in the room was bright like sunlight, and Travis believed that he was walking through something like a hangar 
because he saw three UFOs similar to the one that had abducted him parked inside. Okay. Once they made it through the hangar, the six-foot-tall man took Travis through the hallway to another room where two men and a woman were waiting. They had long, dirty blonde hair and no helmets. The stranger sat Travis down, and Travis kept asking them who they were and what he was doing there, but the three just smiled and (sighs) stared. No fucking thank you. out of here. No. The woman stood up and led Travis to the table, and he started freaking out a bit, so they put a clear plastic mask, something similar to an oxygen mask, over his face, and before he could rip it off, he was unconscious again. The next thing he knew... He was standing next to the highway outside Haber, Arizona, with one of the crafts he had seen in the hangar above him. The lights went out as if the hatch was closing, then shot straight up into the air without a sound. Out of the five days he was missing, Travis claimed this was the only chunk of time he remembered, which all in all amounted to about 25 minutes of time. Wow. APRO set up a full medical examination for Travis and found that he had a small red spot at the crease of his right elbow, which appeared to be from a hypodermic needle. They also found that he lacked ketones, which would have shown up if he hadn't been eating, which essentially when you go a long time without eating, your body just starts like eating itself. Yep. And so ketones shows up when that happens, but it didn't happen. There's no ketones in his tests. And while Travis didn't remember eating during his five days, the test showed that he had been well-fed, which also fucking weird. Really weird. But they said he was super thirsty when he got He was very there, dehydrated, yeah. Which is interesting. And that was also part of the Terry Lovelace thing. Do you remember? They, yes. That was the one thing they kept focused on was like how fucking thirsty yes, they were yes, afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, similarities. I just like- No, for whenever sure. Whenever there's similarities between stories, I'm always like fucking so much more eerie. Yeah, because it's also like- confirmation to yeah me. and those happened i feel like this was like 75 five and i think his was 74 or something so oh, I feel like they were very very close to one another something that was also missing from his physical examination were bruises because if you remember he was lifted up into the air and then thrown, thrown like back. knocked back yeah. and he, that he had so much like pain in his shoulder and his chest and his head but there were no there external were no bruises. Weird. And here's the thing: again, he's like knocked unconscious, so like that's like a lot. And six people in a car saw Fun. him. Hmm. So Travis believes that the reason he was taken by the aliens wasn't because they wanted to do experiments on him. Basically, what he thinks is that they kind of got caught, and they wanted to like cover up the fact that yeah, and they were like ready to go, and basically like maybe those were like the turbo engines that knocked him back, and they're like, oh fuck. We hit something. God damn damn it. it. Now we have to go and fix it. Did you scratch the fucking UFO? Like, go look at it. So then they brought him back up to patch him up. Okay. Is what he thinks. (gasps) I love this. Me too. (laughs) I do too. Because I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That totally tracks. Like, oh, fuck. Okay. All right. Turn it around. Like, let's go. We got to go get the guy. No, we got to go fucking get him. Like, we can't just leave him. We can't (laughs) leave, like, physical evidence that we were here. (laughs) After the medical examination, APRO set up a polygraph test at the Arizona Polygraph Laboratory, administered by Jack McCarthy. So this is why polygraphs are inadmissible in court, because McCarthy went into this completely biased, not believing the story, or that this event had occurred, which reflected in his questioning. Yeah. And then you have, like, a shitty tone when you're, like, asking the questions and shit like that. You can, like, influence people with that. Of course. It's so easy. Yeah. 
he was determined to find flaws and attack the person instead of the account. During questioning, it came out that Travis had smoked weed a few nights before and dropped acid a few times, like, throughout his life, which is something that non-believers bring up time and again as proof that this didn't happen and that it was some sort of grand hallucination. Also, this is 1975. Like, Like, everyone's done acid, right? Like, come on. Everyone's, you know... And this is... He wasn't like, I'm high on this right now. Right now. I just... There's, like, the idea of, like, having acid flashbacks, though, which, like, right. people will, yeah. It doesn't account for the six happened. other people in the car who watched this, mind you. Yeah. And, again, I've never done drugs or anything, but when Henry, Ben, and Marcus were talking about this part of the story, they have done acid and, and things like that. And they said that whenever they've, like, hallucinated, their eyes were closed. Like, it was, like, a mental hallucination, not, like physical ones yeah usually if your eyes are open and you're seeing anything visual it's usually just like distortions distortions no? like uh, waviness yeah things or like sometimes maybe things more colors more vivid more vibrant yes. yeah you'll see uh, like the patterns of things will be far more obvious like you'll look at a pattern of leaves on a branch or something and you'll be like oh my god okay i see how symmetrical and perfect everything is and uh-huh. just like the beauty of that i guess but you're not seeing like completely new things no, like out of no. nowhere no. yeah which I found interesting because... Yes. But again, it's fine, but six other people also say they saw the same thing. Yes. Just important to know. Also, when Travis was 16, he and a friend forged some payroll checks to get some quick cash. So again, between the forged checks and the casual drug use, Travis was painted as an unreliable deviant out to sell an outlandish story to make a quick buck. Jack McCarthy, who administered the test, concluded that Travis was lying because he had repeatedly been holding his breath to, quote, beat the machine, end quote. And apparently the, the like, cover letter to the, the test was, like, full of bias language. Okay. Like, it wasn't just, like, these are the facts. So it was, it was very, like, very, like, leading in the way. It was, it was very, like, this or... is clearly fake and this is not whatever, blah, okay. blah, 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 yeah. which is not, it should, it should just be, like, they passed Cut this, they failed this. Yeah. yeah. And that wasn't the case at all. Like, it was hmm. incredibly biased. Apro said that Travis's agitated state from, you know, being fucking abducted by aliens. Uh, yeah. And the hostility and aggressiveness of McCarthy's questions rendered the test meaningless. Yeah. Which, yeah, of course. The National Enquirer who paid for the test didn't release the results, which is another thing that skeptics point to as proof that it was a hoax. However, since that initial polygraph test, Travis has passed every single test since. Really? To this day. Shit. And to this day, none of the seven men have ever changed their story since they came out of the woods that night. In 1978, Walton wrote a book about his purported abduction titled The Walton Experience, which was adapted into the 1993 film Fire in the Sky. Tracy Torme, who wrote the Fire in the Sky screenplay, interviewed the group, and this is what she had to say about them. Quote, Outside of Rogers and Walton, the other guys were extremely unimaginative, semi-literate, yet their stories hung together perfectly in minute detail more than 10 years later, even when I tried to trick them by saying things that were a little off. End quote. Wow. Yeah. You saying that just gave me full body chills. Yeah. Yeah. That says a lot to uh-huh. me. Yeah. And, and again, like you the said, little... they're not. Yeah. And as she said, they're not the most educated exactly. people. So it seems like it should be fairly easy to trip them up if they actually right, were of lying, course. which it seems as though they are not. Yeah. Philip Class, who is a 
quote-unquote UFO researcher. And I don't know why he has this title. Okay. <laughs> because this guy's just like an asshole who, to me, it seems like he doesn't believe in UFOs, which is fine. But I don't know how you're a UFO researcher. Like, he goes into everything being like, this is bullshit. Okay. And there's a difference between being like the skepticism and being like, okay, what's we like need, the scientific method? We need to like look at it from all sides. We need to do everything we can to debunk this and prove that. Like he just goes into it of like, this is fake to everything. So I'm like, how are you a UFO researcher? And he berated these guys for fucking years trying to get them to recant their story. That's unnecessary. It's fucking unnecessary. Steve Pierce, who was the youngest witness at 16 years old, took umbrage to the fact that Travis described him as crying when the police came, which fine, you know, I got it. Like, and class be a big, strong man in front of all his friends. Yeah. And now it's like in a book and in a movie. Fuck you. I wasn't crying. And class offered him $10,000 to take his story back and go back on it. And while Pierce considered it, he never took it. I was going to say, and for, I feel like guys like that, that's probably a lot of money. Of course. Yeah. Ten, like, that's I, a lot of money to me. Honestly. I was like, you, you want to offer me $10,000 now? Like, what do I got to do? I was like, I would lie about some shit. For, $10, <laughs> for real. The witnesses, especially Walton's friend and logging crew leader and truck driver, Mike Rogers, stuck by their stories and passed countless polygraph tests. Then, on March 19th of this fucking year. Oh, shit. 2021. Mike Rogers wrote the following post on his Facebook page. <gasps> Quote, I, Michael H. Rogers, being of sound and rational mind, do hereby give notice that I am no longer to be considered a witness to Travis C. Walton's supposed abduction on November 5th, 1975. End quote. So what Wait, the fuck is this? What? Exactly. So we're like, oh my God, oh my God. So, so he's like totally recanting and saying yeah, that this didn't happen. But he's not. He's not. Tell me. He's not. So there's the comments are like, what the fuck? So wait, so this was a, a hoax? This what What is this? To which he responded, quote, no, it wasn't a scam or a hoax as far as I know, but you never know, end quote. So you're like, what the fuck what is the this fuck? all about? Okay, was he not really there? And they... So what it is, so what it looks like, because apparently Travis was in the comments going back and forth with him on this post. So like, what the huh, fuck is this yeah. all about? So it seems like there's some sort of personal vendetta between the two, with the source being money. Mm, yep. Apparently, there's talk of a remake of Fire in the Sky oh, that was coming up in the post. Okay. And what people were piecing together in the comments was that this is like a fight between the two of them with money. So I think that he's kind of like, I'm not being, in, I'm not associating with this with this project project. Anymore. Got you. But again, he didn't, because I read all these things being like, oh, he like recants a statement. And then I read it. And I was like, he's not though. He's just saying like, I am no longer a witness to this. I can no longer be named as a witness to this. Interesting. And then when he was asked directly, was it a hoax? He said no. Okay. And the thing is, is that money has been part of this from the beginning. The National Enquirer gave Travis and his coworkers a $5,000 prize for quote, Best UFO case of the year, end quote, after they passed polygraph tests administered by the National Enquirer. Which, whatever, like $5,000 to split seven ways. That's not even that much, yeah. No, like, no. It's no. way less than a grand each. Yeah. And I understand money, like, was worth more back then, but, like, you're not like, I'm set for fucking life. Yeah, it wasn't the 1800s, it was fucking the 1970s. 
Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, because when I started looking into this, everything was like, this is a hoax, this is a hoax, this is a yeah. hoax. Yeah. But, like, I feel it's very thin what they have. So they're like, okay, well, they won this prize for $5,000, so they split seven ways. So immediately, obviously, it has to be a hoax, yeah. And, like, you know, and I looked up all these videos of, like, unbiased analysis of the case, and they're super fucking biased. Like, all yeah. of them are, like, very smug, very arrogant. Like, this is bullshit. The thing, again, that that one polygraph test keeps coming up as, like, see, he failed it. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, but the guy, like, went into it being like, this is bullshit. Yeah. And gave litting questions of this is bullshit. And this dude's already super traumatized if this happened to him. And then you're being super hostile towards him. Like, yeah, I can imagine you, like, holding, holding your, your breath, breath or, or, yeah. or acting erratically towards it. And then there's a reason that people point to of, like, this is a hoax is because allegedly the alien abduction report only began after Travis saw the NBC TV movie, The UFO Incident, which aired two weeks before his own abduction. And it was a dramatized account of the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. Okay. And people have mentioned that his description of the aliens were very similar to the ones that looked in the Betty and Barney Hill movie. Also, interestingly to note, Betty and Barney Hill were accused of the same thing. Yeah. After they were abducted, they're like, well, there was an episode of The Outer Limits that aired a week ago that had to do with aliens. And that's probably like what this whole thing is. Yeah. You know, and it's a thing that they're like, well, you know, his family were like UFO nuts and they were like obsessed with this. I'm like, look, I'm into a lot of shit. Like just because I'm into ghosts and true crime and shit, I don't automatically assume everything is that. Yeah. And you could be into things and just not have that experience. And especially like, I, it doesn't make sense to me to have this family be super into this and his experience to be terrifying. Yeah. You know, I would think that he'd just be like, no, it was right as fuck. Like, I've got my dream. Like, exactly. my has been talking about this forever and I finally fucking had an experience where I know now that it's real. It's real and they're here being friendly and blah, blah, blah and whatever. Class also argued that the reason that the whole story came to be was because remember how there was three logging contracts that were going on at the same time that they were behind yes. on that Mike made up the story so he could get out of like the penalty of being laid on the contract, which is really dumb. Like it's not, that's like not a good story. To even and here's the thing, like, like fine. If that's the story, like people aren't good at lying. Yeah. They're really bad at crime and they're really bad at lying. And the thing is, is that throughout, especially with Travis Walton, his details have never changed ever yeah. in over 40 years. They've never changed. That's crazy. And that's a thing of like, you know, that's pretty significant. Like that's most really significant. people don't have a great memory. And even just in their own day-to-day -day lives, of nothing course. this traumatic happened to them. Being able to recount that information years later and not miss details is of course, because very it, hard. Because very it's, a tra it's a traumatic event. So yeah. you remember it. And as for the inevitable, like, this was all about money. They just made up this thing about money. And something that we've brought up before, as for me, as evidence of why people aren't lying about their experiences, is that they end up not making bank. They end up being fucking miserable and, like, living a terrible life. So Ken Peterson, who was one of the seven, was a really devout Mormon when this happened. And he was so scarred by the event and the aftermath that he left the Mormon church and gave up his religion and moved to Mexico. Wow. Stephen Pierce, who was the 16-year-old, in an interview in 2015, 
said that he never came out and spoke about his experience because, quote, I didn't leave Arizona because Philip Class, which, in case you don't remember, he was fucking, like, harassing harassing all of them. So he says, I didn't leave Arizona because of Philip Class. I left Arizona because I was tired of being harassed by everybody. I can't sleep at night. I'm stressed all the time. I'm scared of the woods. I can't sleep in the woods by myself. And my family, they did not believe me. That's what really hurts the most. My ex-wife used to tell me not to tell anybody because they thought that I was nuts. Don't be going to somebody's house and telling the story because it's embarrassing. They think you're nuts. You know? I don't even believe she believed the story. End quote. Which breaks your fucking heart. It does. I just hate that, like, they just lose all credibility to anything they say after that. No matter, like, how genuine, how much they insist that it's true and if it was nothing they say is enough if it was fake and they were trying to get a cash grab and it didn't work out for them then they would have been like just kidding we made it all up it's fake yeah and they won't they won't to this day to this day they won't do it despite clearly what are negative effects to their their life life of course and to this day travis walton goes around talking about his experience Uh, he was even interviewed on joe rogan's podcast about it oh and again the details never change And something that was especially of note for me uh, that I'll leave you with is that on Travis Walton's own website, he wrote, quote, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't get out of the truck, end quote. And that is the story of Travis Walton. Fuck! And if you want to be traumatized, watch Fire in the Sky. (laughs) Fuck yes. I think I did? It was back in everywhere. The day? It was everywhere. I didn't definitely didn't watch it as a kid. Like when it came out, I think I watched it almost fairly recently. It was um, and it was terrifying. You're correct. the The scene that I remember that scared the fuck out of me that's just burned into my memory is when he's on the like operating table type thing, and they put like a. It almost looks like a latex over his. He's like <gasps> screaming his fucking head off, and they put like a latex over his face. And he keeps screaming it, but it's like. And then they, like, poke out holes so he can breathe. But I was like, I can't imagine. Oh, my God. No. Any of this. No. Yeah, I feel like I read it fairly, or I watched it fairly recently. And when I did just, like, my cursory, like, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to look. Yeah. I'm going to look into it. Hoax, like hoax, you hoax, said, hoax, 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 hoax. Everything said it was a hoax to the point that I almost... Like, it was just like, okay, fuck. Well, that's what I thought. Like, I was mistaken. Like, all right, I guess I, like, fell for this hook, line, and sinker. So I'm really glad you did it, and I'm really glad you, like, delved into it. Because I think I had even read that Mike recanted his statement and believed that he recanted it fully and was basically alluding to the fact that it was a hoax. I didn't realize that it was basically a money dispute over the fact that they were going to remake the movie. Yeah. So I'm very glad you did this because I clearly did not do my due diligence and I, like... (laughs) read all this information online afterwards and i yeah had like basically chalked it up to being a hoax yeah because everything like because i was like oh okay let's i want to do a, a, an alien story for amy's birthday I love it so, so what am i gonna much. do i'm so lucky you know and i was like a fire in the sky like i remember being traumatized as fuck by that and then i like look into it it's like hoax 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 and i look at some youtube video where it's like an unbiased analysis of like why this sucks. And like you write four seconds of it and this guy's a total dick and yeah, he's condescending. Super biased, yeah. I'm like, hi, do you not know what biased is? Yeah, thanks. Um, And then I look at the comments and I know there are people who believe anything. Yeah. For sure. But then 
when I looked at the comments, it was the comment that someone had posted about five out of six polygraphs came back accurate. Yeah. You know, and, and one of them came back inconclusive. And they've never recanted. And every time they take a polygraph, it comes back that they're telling the truth. And then I was like, wait, wait a minute. So I was like, okay, at minimum, these people believe this thing happened yes. to them. And I thought I was going to end it with like, this was all bullshit. But I... The evidence that I'm being told is bullshit isn't very compelling to me. Yeah. And I'm not someone who, like, needs this to be real. Yeah. You and know? I feel like the things they try to, like, dismiss, like, oh, he heard the Barney and Betty Hill story and it sounds so similar. It's like, oh, it Maybe that's just how be, that works. Yeah, it couldn't be that though they just had very similar experiences right. and this is a problem, clearly, that multiple people are experiencing that we don't have any explanation for. If it's not aliens, we don't have any explanation for it. Like, that's like saying... I'm saying that I had a shitty date because I watched an episode of Sex and the City the week before. And it's like, no, sometimes you just have the same experience. Yeah. And it just so happens to be like, yep. Exactly the Carrie, same. Carrie, yeah. I get you. Exactly. So I I was very surprised to come out being like, I don't think this is a hoax. Hell yes. At all. I think the evidence of, of hoax, hoaxery, if you will, I think is very weak. Yeah. I, and I with agree. so many fucking witnesses, so many witnesses. You had six people in a car fucking see this. And again, nobody has really recanted. And one person was offered $10,000 to do it. To and do was it. salty because he made him look like a, you know, like a wimp. Yeah. And you know, that fragile male ego. And he didn't do it. He thought about it and then he was like, no. I'm not going to say that I was lying. I'm not fucking lying. Because it's I'm not lying. It's crazy, but it fucking happened and I'm fucking standing by it. Yeah. <gasps> I loved this so much. I'm so glad. I'm so happy you did this because honestly, <laughs> this is one of those where I was like, oh, okay. I like kind of know the story. I was like, this would be fun. And then I was like, I actually didn't know yeah. the story as well as I thought. And I really enjoyed that. Fuck. Yeah. And like, Philip Class is an asshole. Yeah. Like, I'm just talking that. I just, I don't understand. I mean, he died in 2005, so whatever. But I don't understand how you can name yourself a researcher of a thing you don't actually believe in. Yeah. And he had, and that you're going to treat with disdain almost? Yeah. yeah. There was something that he was like offering like 10,000, I think it was like $10,000 for like indisputable proof that aliens exist. However, it came with a caveat that you had to pay him $100 for every year that like aliens were discovered. What? It's like, what the fuck is that? That's he just ridiculous. seems like a yeah. self-righteous asshole. Yeah, kind of. That actually doesn't want to get to the truth because he's decided he knows what it is. Yes. You know? Yes, totally. I was like, fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And Travis, my heart goes out to you. Yeah. Fuck, man. Oh, fuck. But that planetarium room, hook a girl up. Girl. I want that. I mean, that sounds rad as fuck. Right? For sure. Yeah. I want some Cassiopeia in my fucking room. Fuck yeah. <laughs> You're good on that shit. I know you can do it. Yes. <laughs> Personal planetarium. I want that. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed your final birthday gift. That was the fucking best. I feel so spoiled right now and I love it so much. I've literally been staring at Brendan Fraser's face as well as Monique's beautiful face while I got to hear the wonderful story of Travis Walton that I thought I knew and I fucking didn't at all. Yeah. So Yeah. It, and also it was definitely uh, for me a reminder of like headlines are clickbaity and not always indicative of the actual content because you will see so many articles pop up in google of you know witness for cancer story yeah and then when you click it it's that i'm like wait where did he recant it though and then when he was asked point blank so was it a hoax he said no no 
And he's so like, he's like, they might have hoaxed it, but like, I don't know how they would have done that. Yeah, and I, and I was so. not aware. Of I was that. not aware. Yeah. Of that. So I'm like, hi, that's not recanting it. It's like money dispute, and I don't, I, I'm not affiliated with this project for whatever fucking reason. Yeah, but this shit still happened. Yeah, yeah. So always click on shit. Yeah, and read read the whole. And you know what? Do a secondary search. Yeah. When you like read the article and you think it was from a reputable source, I read on Popular Mechanics, which I thought was a reputable website that they had like. Is this articles where they like thought they found like uh, mushrooms on Mars? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that was like everywhere, and the way it was worded in the article made it seem like it was v- like basically had kind of been proven. And then you do like literally a cursory search in Google if you went outside the article, and it was like no. Yeah. It was like these fringe scientists. They really didn't have any proof. They just like saw these like formations and were like. Those yeah, are clearly mushrooms. Those are clearly mushrooms. Well, that's like, like the same thing no. last year with like dolphins in the canals in Venice. Yes, everyone's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And it's they're like, coming back. It's so amazing. It's like there have never been dolphins in the canals in Venice. Like, what are you ever what are you talking about? I know that's someone speaking in Italian looking at dolphins. That's it. It's not in Venice, and everyone bought it. Everyone bought it. Elton John was fucking talking about it in one of those. I like everyone needs to remember somebody telling me that, and I literally was like. Give it a really? second goo. I was like, I want to see video of this. This sounds cool. And then I like... I saw the video and I was like, oh shit! And uh, then I was like, just give it a second goog. Because if everyone is citing the exact same source, red flag. Sketchy. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. There you go. I loved that so much. Thank you so much. You made my birthday so special. I can't even handle it. I'm so You're glad. amazing. You're amazing. Happy birthday, my love. Thank you. Again, for like the second week in a row. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that party going. Fuck yeah. Mm. I mean, everybody knows you like party for your whole month. It's like you take your birthday month. Got to. Yeah. My birthday is two days before Halloween. So it's always a week. Oh, It's a week long party. At least. Because it's like Halloween and my birthday. Come on. Yeah. Oh. So good. Dream week. Fuck yeah. I love it. Fuck yeah. All the outfits. It's amazing. Right? Girl. I'm not ready. (gasps) No. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Yay. Yay. So are we ready for the, the crime time portion? Oh, girl. I'm always ready for the crime time portion. Fuck yeah. I was like, all right, this is the present to you. No. <laughs> Just kidding, you guys. All right. So sources. Snapped. Fuck Classic. yes. Fuck yes. Gotta have I'm it. I'm so on board with this. Fuck yes. Season 29, episode two. Heraldandnews.com. USAToday.com. MailTribune.com. Wikipedia.com independent.co.uk so robert haney was born on june 26 1957 growing up his life wasn't an easy one he wasn't popular he didn't date or really have any friends and he was very quiet according to his sister-in-law robert didn't finish high school and instead he and his brother don ran away determined to start out on their own from a young age robert got into construction and plumbing and learned the trade quickly Eventually, he was skilled enough that he was able to build a house from the ground up. Holy shit. Which, like, is that's a skill that's just not, not around do that. Yeah, no, no. That's rad as fuck. So rad. While working his way up in construction, Robert hit it off with a woman named Thalia Larson at a party. In the early 80s, they married and proceeded to raise five kids together. Damn. Yeah. And as you can imagine, that wasn't an easy life. Nope. Robert spent most of his time working, usually six days a week, wanting to provide for his, again, five children. And wife. And wife. Oof. A lot. Is she working? uh, Do we know? Didn't say. Not saying that raising five children isn't fucking work. Isn't Because holy fuck it is. But I meant, like, 
monetary income into yes. the household. Um, wasn't explicitly said, but it seemed pretty clearly implied that he was the sole breadwinner. Yeah. Okay, so extra pressure. Extra pressure. Fuck. For sure. Eventually, he and Thalia started fighting, and in 2003, they finally divorced. Afterwards, Robert and his children moved north to Medford, Oregon, where he continued to raise his children. In 2012, when the last of his kids moved out, Robert decided to downsize. He bought a trailer and a dog and started a more nomadic existence. Hmm. One day, he stumbled onto a Craigslist ad for handyman work on a farm in exchange for living on the property. He replied to the ad and was introduced to the woman who posted it, Susan Monica. I just switched pages, like, two paragraphs into this, by the way. I literally had a full <laughs> paragraph, and I, like, put this page down like it was done. Mode. It's all good. What is wrong with me? <laughs> okay. That's where we are. I was like, happy Monday. That's not today. That's not it today. is not today. <laughs> struggle sesh. <laughs> the struggle is real. It's real. <laughs> Susan Monica was born in California on July 8th, 1948. Not much is known about her early years, and those that know her said she didn't open up about her past. Mm. According to her veteran records, though, Susan Monica was born Stephen Buchanan and served in the Navy during the Vietnam era. Okay. After being honorably discharged, Stephen began to live life as a female going by the name Susan Monica. Mm. She got into engineering and was very successful in her field, Fuck eventually yeah. working on submarines in San Francisco. Oh, shit. Which, like, that's pretty dope. I'm not Get it. But her demanding job just made her wish for a quiet life away from the city. Mm. Eventually, she bought a 20-acre farm in southern Oregon. It was pretty primitive on the property, but Susan didn't need much, preferring her solitude. She moved to a little shack, not minding the lack of electricity. Oh my god, my worst nightmare. I know. It's like, like that when I said alien primitive, abduction. I mean primitive. Like, there's no running water and there's no electricity. It's this, literally a shack. No fucking thank you. Yes. In Oregon. Which, like, gets fucking cold. Yeah. Yeah. And, to be fair, hot in the fucking summer. It yeah. Take, it does get really hot there. And also, I don't want to go to an outhouse. Oh, God, no. God. No. There was a, a, a house my dad lived in in Cuba, had, which also, the Cuba situation. It's not about the embargo, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> it's a communist dictatorship. That's the issue. That's the problem they have with it. Thanks. It's not the embargo. Are you sure, Monique? Shocking. Yeah, I don't know how I know that. Um, <laughs> because they were doing all of this shit before the embargo happened. Just BG jobs. But I digress. My dad, when one of the houses he lived in in Cuba had an outhouse, and I was like, get the, get the fuck, fuck out, out of here. here. No. And me, who I have to pee like 4,000 times in the middle of the night. I would be dangerously de- Or chamber pots are coming back because I'm not no, I would, checking out Exactly. There. No. I would do the, the Dwayne Walton in the mason jar and just line him up. All day. <laughs> for fucking real. Yes. <laughs> No shame. Like, Girl. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. I'm no. going to have to like put on a coat and go outside 40 times a night? No. No fucking way. Absolutely not. This is my worst nightmare. Girl. Mm-mm. I like the outdoors, but this is this is too much. Mm. No, thank you. William Fuller, an acquaintance of Susan, summed it up when he said, quote, she was just a rough old woman that was living off the grid, end quote. Mm. She willingly isolated herself and didn't want to be around people, tolerating it only when she had to go to town for supplies. <laughs> I mean, I feel I that. get it. I get it. Like, same girl. <laughs> On her farm, Susan raised a small crop of pigs and started her own welding company. She was known for making these beautiful wrought iron fences, sometimes with decorative animals or trees, and was apparently a very talented metal worker. Oh, shit. 
In her free time, Susan worked to improve her farm. She started building on the property with a huge barn, but eventually wanted to build a house on the property as well. She put up an ad for Handyman on Craigslist, and that's how she became acquainted with Robert. In 2013, 56-year-old Robert and his dog moved to Susan Monica's farm in Weimar, Oregon. Their deal was that he would get part cash and be able to stay on the property in exchange for building a house from the ground up for Susan. A carpenter, a laborer, a handyman, Robert was whatever Susan needed him to be. Mm. In summer of 2013, Robert seemed happier than ever, according to his kids. He liked being out in the woods by himself, just him and his dog. On January 1st, 2014, Robert Haney's children met in Medford, Oregon. They hadn't seen or heard from their father in two months and had decided to drive to Susan Monica's house, his employer and landlord, to try to find out what the fuck had happened to their father. Yeah. When they asked about his whereabouts, Susan said she hadn't seen him since he quit without notice four months earlier in September 2013. When they arrived at his trailer, however, they immediately felt that something was wrong. Because all his shit was there? All his shit was there, right? (sighs) Robert's Everyone is so bad at... This is what I'm telling you about about these fucking people in, in Travis Walton's story. They're not... There's good not liars. They're not lying, and then the 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 evidence is coming out. Like like the people are have, so bad at this. Like, the fact that you have six perfect liars together who have all figured out how to pass a polygraph, multiple polygraph tests. Highly unlikely. This is Just, what the normal thing is. Yes, we've been doing this for close to a year. They are all bad. She didn't even fucking say that all his shit was there. That's how obvious it is all the time. I already knew that's what the fuck was going to happen. Facts. <sighs> yes, Monique. Investigator Monique. (laughs) I love it. Robert's truck, motorcycle, leather jacket, and all of his tools were still at his trailer. His fucking vehicles were there. Yes. So what? He like hitchhiked or walked to like... We're going to get into it, of course. We'll get into it, Which is going to be fucking ridiculous. Of course. I'm so angry I can't even handle it. Girl. And I mean... Robert's a handyman, so he's very particular about his tools. He, of course. That's his livelihood. He wouldn't leave without them, and he wouldn't just, like, leave them strewn about as they were when they walked mm. up. So the kids were already suspicious. He even left his dog. Uh-uh. No. Thank you. No. That was where I was like, um, I'm not. sorry. There's no fucking Sus way. fuck. There's no fucking way. I don't care what the fuck I was doing. I would bring my fucking dog. Of course. I'm not even a dog person, and I fucking know that. Thank you. But nope, it's just running around outside the trailer. People are so bad at this. So bad They're so fucking bad at this. Jesse Haney, Robert's son, said, quote, it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Oh. End quote. Can you imagine? (sighs) No. You haven't heard from your dad in two months. You go to his employer, and the employer's like, he just fucked off and, like, quit without notice. And you go, this is what you come across? And you're like, uh, no. Something the fuck is up here. I mean, I couldn't imagine. (gasps) Terrifying. Yeah. Convinced, obviously, that something was wrong, when Robert's children left Susan's farm, they immediately went to the Jackson County Police Station to file a missing persons report. Fuck yeah. They told police their father was last seen in early September, then up and disappeared without any of his important belongings on him. They told cops that their dad had been living a pretty nomadic existence, but that they still kept in touch with him and had started to worry when they couldn't get in contact with him. They couldn't believe their dad would suddenly abandon what was an ideal position for him, not to mention leaving everything behind seemed highly suspicious to them. Yeah. They were especially worried because Robert lived a cash-only existence. He had no bank account, (sighs) credit card, or debit card. 
The only card he had was his EBT card. This is an argument against living off the grid. Oof. And while I understand not wanting people in the government to be in your business, I when something it. like this happens, I want no one fucking me. knows. Yeah. I want there to be a paper trail. I want you to find me and I want you to find who did it multo pronto. Yes. I want you to be able to like triangulate my fucking cell phone position and all of that shit. Please and thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. They told police that in the weeks leading up to the disappearance, someone in Robert's son's family was assaulted and Robert had been having a difficult time dealing with that. <gasps> Sean Lamus, a former employee of Susan Monica, said, quote, he was distraught. He was very angry. He wanted to seek revenge. Fuck yeah. End quote. The Haney children said the stress of finding out about this assault drove Robert to drink. And while he was likable enough when he wasn't drinking, mm. when he was, he was, quote, a little hard to deal with, mm. end quote, according to Karen Denman, Susan Monica's neighbor. After Robert's children filed the missing persons report, Jackson County detectives headed to the last place Robert had been seen, Susan Monica's farm. When they arrived, they noticed that the property was wooded and cluttered with little buildings everywhere. Susan was cordial, according to Jackson County detective Eric Henderson, even cheerful, and he said she seemed helpful, like she wanted to help out the investigation. Susan told police that Robert Haney had lived on her property for about six months and told them about the deal they had made for him to build her house in exchange for staying on the property and a little bit of cash. Then Susan said that Robert got a phone call from a family member who said that she had been the victim of assault. Robert was incredibly upset by this information and started drinking heavily after the assault news. Susan portrayed him as a depressed man to the police. Another employee of Susan's said they would hear him down in his trailer yelling by himself at night saying why and God why. Oh my God. Yeah. Susan Monica said she went to confront him about his drinking on September 9th, 2013, and instead found him coming to talk to her. According to her, Robert handed her some cash and asked her to take care of his dog for him. Since she figured he'd be back soon, she agreed. Finally, she told police that he had gotten into a white sedan driven by another man she hadn't recognized and rode off. Susan said she hadn't seen him since. Sean Lamanis said Robert had mentioned the assault on his family member and had expressed to them a desire to look for the individuals responsible. Mm. Investigators considered this possibility, and after speaking to Susan, they attempted to track down Robert Haney and the vague white car Susan had described from what little information they had, which, considering she didn't know the make or the model, was like searching for a needle in a haystack. Meanwhile, Robert's children called homeless shelters, hospitals, and anywhere they could think of that Robert might have ended up. Mm. Since Robert didn't have a bank account or any credit cards, the only thing they had to possibly track him was his Oregon Trail EBT card. Mm. Luckily for the investigation, oh. there had been activity on his card in December 2013, three months after Susan said he disappeared. Okay. Detectives tracked the last purchases on the card, which were made in Grants Pass, Oregon, about a 20 to 30 minute drive from Susan Monica's house. Detective Eric Henderson went to meet with Investigator Avery at a Walmart in Grants Pass where Robert's EBT card had been used. Detective Henderson watched the security camera footage of the person who had and? used Robert's EBT card expecting to see Robert. Except that. But instead, he saw Susan Monica on this video. fucking course. And immediately suspected foul play. Yep. Realizing Susan most likely knew way more than she had previously let on, the police began working on obtaining a search warrant to investigate her property for the crime of identity theft. On January 10th, 2014, police mobilized to serve a search warrant at Susan's property, 
arriving at her farm and confronting her about using Robert Haney's Oregon Trail card. Detective Henderson said that she looked, quote, visibly nervous and worried. But Susan insisted that Robert had given her the card to use when he had asked her to feed his dog. Hmm. She said she stopped using it because it had expired and there was no money left on it. Officers began to search Susan's property for signs of Robert's possessions, continuing with the search warrant procedure, which involved taking a video of the property. Uh huh. Julie Denny, another Jackson County detective, described the property as eerie and said that there was a very strong odor of decay. <laughs> Basically, again, like the Natalie Moskalin story, it's a fucking hoarder nightmare. Oh like, my god! I, they show like some footage of them walking around in the farm, and it's just like. A fucking nightmare. Piles of shit, Monique. Oh my god. Piles of shit. Garbage, discarded food, junk, pieces of metal. Like, oh, it's my nightmare. Oh my god. There was no running water or septic system on the property. Oh my god! I know. Mark Freeman, a reporter for the Mail Tribune, said, quote, it looked like the setting of a low-budget horror film, end quote. And it fucking does. Like, I it, that is the most spot-on thing anyone could have said about it. It's, handle it. Yeah, no. Sergeant Nathan Sickler was the officer tasked with videotaping the property. As he was filming, walking around, and describing the property, he came to a catchment, a pond-type area, which basically just looks like they dug a bunch of holes up for a pond and then, like, didn't do anything with it. So, yeah, it's basically just a bunch of big holes in the ground. As Sickler was filming the partially dug-up area, he saw something suspicious (gasps) come into view. Stop. As he approached, he said, quote... I think that might be a leg. Oh my and god. They do show the footage, but they blur out of course. the leg, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. because it snapped. Yeah. But I mean, from the footage, you can see it's like laying right there in the fucking open, oh in this fucking pit. God. Detective Denny said- Susan, you're the fucking worst. Oh my god. Yes. You had pigs on your farm. As Grace told us, pigs for the win. Girl. Are we getting there? We're getting there. Fuck Yes. Detective Denny said, quote, it was clear that it was not an animal bone. It appeared to me to be a human leg that had been severed mid-femur down to the toes. <gasps> Fuck. End quote. Now, the whole time Sickler's on the other side of the property filming, Detective Henderson is still interviewing Susan by the house and has no idea the other officers have found this leg. Uh-huh. So as he's talking to Susan, Detective Steve Bone Yes, that was his name. I had to include it. It's hysterical. Obviously. Came up and whispered to him, quote, we just found a leg, end quote. <gasps> Obviously, he's shocked, but he's trying- Could you imagine? I mean, I'm guess I'm putting A plus B equals C about where this is going, but Girl. could you imagine that if they're like looking for a missing person and come across a leg bone and it's another person and like, <gasps> oh, this person's just like a fucking serial killer and is actually like has- this house of horrors and has nothing to do Just with like this, NBD. this other missing situation. NBD. <laughs> so obviously Detective Henderson's absolutely shocked, but he's like trying to keep it together. Highest reaction. He doesn't want Susan. Of course. So he just calmly schools his face, turns to Susan. He calmly suggests that she come back to the police department for an interview in the office. They didn't mention finding the leg and Susan of agrees to not. go. You got to play that no, close to the vest. No, no. Yeah. You can't be like, um, hi, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I'm also, about what are you doing on Wednesday? Do you want to like come in for like some casual talk? questioning? Like, just like about the leg, like NBD. So Susan agreed to go with them to the police station. At the station, they confronted Susan Monica with the discovery of the human remains on her property, telling her they had found the severed leg. Do they show the footage of the interrogation in this, in the snapped? They play you the audio. Oh, okay. 
Because sometimes you get the photo. It's so good to no, see them like the, I don't the visible reaction that. of them being like, uh, because they never asked for their lawyer, which is crazy. Which is crazy. They don't realize that's an option, even though they're told that in their Miranda rights. You're right. This she totally didn't ask for a lawyer. They this, never do. It didn't even really occur to me. But yeah, because they all act the same fucking way. Facts. All of them do. If you're lying, <laughs> yes, you act the same way. You act the same way. So. As Monique pointed out, she did not ask for a lawyer. She just (laughs) immediately changed her story. Of Of course. Yeah. She told police that she came down one morning and saw her pigs on something, which surprised her. So she went through the gate to see what they had gotten into. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. She saw them eating something and walked closer to see what was going on. When she saw that it was Robert lying there under her pigs, she said she tried to hit them with her hand to get them off of him. But it didn't work. She so what he he like passed out from being boozed out and being angry, and then they just went to town. Or he like tripped and fell, or like whatever. I don't know. She doesn't. This is fucking she doesn't, ridiculous. She just came out and found him. She doesn't know like how he got into the pig pen. Mm. Meh. Susan Monica, I'm personally offended by this story. It's so bad. <sighs> it's ridiculous. And you've had two months to think it over. <laughs> you couldn't think of anything. That better. shit kills me. You've had so much time. You've had so much time to dispose of evidence. And you had right? so much time to think of a story that's not as fucking personally offensive because of how dumb it is to this. Thank you, Amy. Yes, you're welcome. She said that she, quote, saw that he was laying there with his guts all over the place, but he was being eaten, what I believe to be alive, end quote. Alive? That's what she said. She... I'm sorry. Okay. I've never been eaten by pigs. <gasps> I know. Bombshell. I can't even. I would imagine if I'm alive, I'd be like... Screaming. Whoa, 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 pig. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Hey. Also, like, are these pigs so ravenous? Those are my fingers. Literally, you can't, like, get up and away from them? You can't even, like, crawl away from them? Because there's a difference of being, like, you know, you lose a few few nubbins, fine. (laughs) I can understand that. I can respect that. But, like, yeah. But that you just have, like, are, like, tequila'd out, and you're, like... Go the fuck to town. I don't even notice this is happening. I'm fine. NBD. What the fuck are you talking? You had two months to come up with a story that was so much better than this. Oh my god. Why is it really hard, Monique? I mean, obviously. I don't want to try. This is the thing that I almost find worse than the crime. The crimes are always heinous, but it's like... It's the aftermath when you're you're rational and you're still not, though. And you're and, still doing stupid shit. And, and you're, you're just like, like, really? Guys, I'm so I'm just gonna it. get away with this. I'm like super smart. Thanks. But you're that's so the right. thing. Most people are fucking stupid. And I'm, again, personally offended by this entire account you of what be. she's claiming has happened. You should be. Susan told police that she thought she saw his arm move. Get the fuck heard, out of here. Oh my God. And heard a little moaning. Yes. When she was unable to get the pigs to move away from him, she said she went into her house, got her gun, and shot Robert. Quote, I put him out of his misery. I do that for my animals, and this was the first time I did it for a human being. I knew it was wrong, but if it were one of my pigs suffering out there, I would have done the same thing. End quote. So it didn't occur to you to shoot the pig? Not the pigs, Monique. Those are her precious babies. Clearly. Also, I don't really... It's one of those, like, I guess I'm being obligatory devil's advocate because I don't really believe this. But, like, 
if he was in the state that she said, which was basically that his entrails were out of his body. He's dead anyway. Like, what are you going to do? Like, it seems fucked up to kill the pigs to quote unquote save him when he probably isn't going to be able to be saved. And then you've just murdered all of your pigs too. I mean. I'm not justifying this. Yes. I'm just like, I could see weirdly where maybe she got this. Right. If, like, if the story wasn't complete horseshit. Um, yes. I could Correct. also, yes, I could also see how she's like, well, that's my source of income are my pigs and not this rando who's just making a house for me. Right? But this that's my story babe, literally. is horse shit or pig shit. There you go. What have you. I like that. Yeah. Pig shit. It's pig shit. After Susan shot Robert, Susan left him out in the pig pen for a couple of days. She said she took his clothes off so it would be easier for the pigs to digest him. She was okay oh my god okay so she's not calling next of kin she's not calling the cops to be like hey there's been an accident no she's just like well since we're here have the pigs have adam yep you're so bad at this again i watched the hangover yesterday because whenever it's on tv i cannot (laughs) watch it you're literally too dumb to insult yes literally it's fucking perfect it wasn't on tv it was on my flight and I chose to watch it. Hell yeah. No fucking... Uh, That's the correct choice. I regret nothing. Yeah. I watched that in old school. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Classic. Bring it back, baby. Hell yeah. You're too dumb to insult Susan and Monica. Yes. After the pigs had eaten their fill, she picked up what she believed to be the rest of him and put it in a couple of plastic bags, disposing of them carelessly amongst the other hoarded trash on the property. Police believed that a coyote or some other wild animal must have smelled the remains and gotten into the bags, dragging the masticated remains of the severed leg out towards the pond area. I couldn't resist an opportunity to use the word masticated. I'm sorry. Fuck yeah. I'm such a nerd. No, you said it and I was like, good SAT word. Thank you. And I know exactly where I learned it from because I'm such a nerd. Miss Congeniality. Thank you. You're welcome. Damn straight. I'm speaking for Sandra Bullock. Right? (laughs) Thank you, Sandra Bullock. We salute you. It was actually Michael Caine's line, but still. <gasps> I love Michael Caine. He's fantastic. He's so he's good. He's just lovely. And he's just wonderful in that. Movie. Really is. He really um, is. So good. When police asked her why she didn't call 911 after Robert's quote unquote accident, Susan claimed that she was worried that if she told anyone, they would euthanize her pigs. Which like, I'm sorry, that's not valid enough of a reason. No. Thanks. And also like, you're getting the chair, sweetheart. For real, right? I don't remember. No, I don't Oregon. Know. I don't Oregon. think. I don't think. Oregon they probably don't. They're very hippie. They're very. Yeah, they're very progressive. Love They like Oregon. legalized all drugs, so I don't think. They yeah, like heroin and yeah. shit. Yeah, they're like it's fine. Um, so they're probably like, eh. but and they, but they also have a uh, legal assisted suicide. I don't know where or yeah, Oregon. You're like really chill about a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, it's fine. Get it, but yeah. so I don't think they're euthanizing the pigs. They probably wouldn't. They'd probably be like, it's not their fault. They didn't. Also, yeah. they're putting, like, everyone is knowing that this is a fucking lie. Because she's the Correct. worst at this. yes. <laughs> no, the pigs are fine. <laughs> no, I don't know the story. The but I'm going to say that the pigs are fine and none of them were euthanized. The pigs live. for the As far as I know, the pigs live. Detectives noted that the only time she seemed to show any emotion was when she talked about her pigs. Sweetheart. She didn't seem to care about Robert at all. Detective Henderson said, quote, the way she was talking was probably the most cold and uncaring I ever encountered before in any person who's killed anyone. Damn. End quote. Which, like, savage. That's pretty savage. For sure. Yeah. 
Detective Henderson then told Susan that they were going to search every inch of her property and asked her what else they were going to find. At this, Susan started to visibly break down. She had this look on her face and started stumbling her words. Uh She eventually asked for a piece of paper and sketched a rough outline of the pig pens and the barn. Then she drew an X right outside the fence line of the pig pen and told detectives, quote, right there. That's where you're going to find Steve. End quote. Now I know you're thinking, uh-huh. who the fuck is Steve? Wait, what? <gasps> Girl, you fucking called this shit. Oh, shit! <laughs> I tried not to, like, let my face show my reaction. You did it. You nailed it. But fucking Monique called this shit. Hands are in the air. Jaws Girl. on the floor. Oh, my God. <gasps> I'm so excited. <gasps> like, round of applause for you. Well fucking done. Fuck yes! Oh my god, I'm so excited! (laughs) Stephen Delacino lived on a neighboring property and, like Robert, would do odd handyman-type jobs for Susan on her property. Stephen worked for Susan about a year before Robert's death and was also similar to Robert in that he was another transient loner type. When questioned about what had happened to Stephen, Susan said that in the summer of 2012, she noticed two guns were missing. Believing that Stephen had stolen them, she went through his stuff and claimed that she found the two guns, a handgun and a rifle. She had her 22 revolver on her when she confronted Stephen about the quote-unquote stolen guns and said they got into a wrestling match over it. She tried to take the revolver away from him, but the gun went off accidentally and Stephen was shot in the back of his head. Lots of accidents happen around Susan. Susan told police she was terrified she had killed her friend, but then he stood up, still bleeding from his head. She ran out into the area in front of the barn. But got he got the pigs. <laughs> Finish the job. <laughs> the most ridiculous Mortal Kombat move of all time. Finish him. Finish him. <laughs> oh my god, I love this so much. We're making fun. I just want to make it clear. We're making fun of Susan and not the victims. And not the victims. No, not at all. Not Um, at all. She's horrendous, obviously. Horrendous. (laughs) Fucking stupid on top of that. So she ran out into the area in front of the barn, but he chased her and tried to grab her. She said she managed to grab the rifle, but then Stephen tried to take it from her and they struggled fighting over the gun. They both reached for the gun. We're literally bringing Chicago into this. (sighs) Yes. I can't. Stephen was trying to grab her legs and at one point was down on his knees with her hovering above him. She told police that she then picked up the rifle and shot him in the head. She said he ended up dying in the barn area. And according to Susan, she had been close to Stephen, had considered him a friend and was not happy at how things had escalated. Okay. Being like, I'm not happy at how this escalated. That's like, I didn't realize my comment about your wedding party favors would get me uninvited to your wedding. I'm sorry at how that escalated. Someone's dead here. Yeah. That is not the way <laughs> you describe this situation. <laughs> Someone has been murdered. I didn't like how things escalated, though. Was it like, wasn't my fave how this ended. I didn't like it. Distraught and in shock, Susan went to lay down to think about things and realized she had made a terrible mistake. Uh, yeah, no shit. When she got up from her nap and went back outside, she realized the pigs had gotten to Stephen and were licking some of the wounds on his head and had started to eat him. Susan claimed that the pigs dragged him back into the pigsty area to finish him off. 
like she would later do with Robert, she left Stephen's body out there with the pigs for days and said the only parts of him that were left were basically the skull, some of the bones, and his spine. She told the police that two weeks later, she buried what was left of Stephen's body behind the barn. Detectives wondered if her self-defense story was true and asked her again why hadn't she called the police, and again, she claimed she was worried about the fate of her pigs, fearing that the state would come and euthanize them if she reported what had happened. <sighs> Correct, Monique. Bullshit. I, yes. I, I literally don't even have words for the bullshittery that's happening. During her interview, she specifically told the detectives that she valued the lives of animals over people. Oh, I mean, I fucking got that, sweetheart. Yeah. Yes. It's very obvious. We we realize. Thank you. Yeah. Th- thank you for, for reiterating it. <laughs> but everyone here fucking knows. We're very aware. You're down with the pigs and not with the we people. We got it. Yeah. Police then asked Susan if she had ever done anything like this to anyone else and if they were going to find any more bodies on her property. Well, now that you mention it. She told Detective Henderson that if she told him about the 17 others, that she would spend the rest of her life in jail. Oh, guys, I seriously have never heard this story before. And that was just me like running my mouth. No, it shows you how much of a fucking true crime expert you are. Like, you fucking know the patterns, Monique. There's patterns! Yes. There are patterns to everything. Yes. And you fucking saw. Correct. This also, beyond being, like, on Snapped, was not really covered, like, that much. Really? Like I've never heard of this. Yeah, I couldn't find any other, like, podcasts that had really done it. Like, couldn't really find on any other shows. So, it does not surprise me that you haven't heard this. And I, like, kudos, extra clap for you for fucking putting this one together, like, page fucking two on this bitch. FBI hit this bitch up. Right? Girl. Behavioral science. I got Hell you. Hell yeah. Next profiler right here. I love Fuck it. Fuck yes. Yeah. Um, I thought that this was going to go a completely different way, realistically. You're not done yet. You still have several pages. Have pages left. So maybe, maybe it will also be part of it, but I can't wait. Hey, Fuck yeah. I know. I'm so excited. You're fucking... <gasps> I'm nailing it today. Yeah. Holy shit. Hell yes. I think I should be sick and not really sleep more often. <laughs> <laughs> or play the lottery or something. Fuck I guess well. so. Fuck. You got it going on right now. Obviously worried that they may be dealing with a serial killer, the police arrest Susan Monica on two counts of murder and two counts of abuse of a corpse. Yeah. The next day, on January 11, 2014, dozens of CSI agents and officers descended on Susan Monica's farm. They found the rest of Robert Haney's remains in the barn, and apparently the overall smell of the place was so bad that it wasn't immediately obvious that there was a strong odor of decaying flesh. Oh, fuck! Like, that's how bad it smelled, that, like, literally, you couldn't tell that there was, like, a dead body in there. Damn! it all just smelled like dead body. Oh, my fucking God! They discovered several black garbage bags filled with the head and decayed body parts of Robert Haney. Authorities then began a large-scale search of Susan's property with an excavator. Which, uh, if you guys don't know, is like the little backhoe the thing with the claw. Yeah. There you go. I don't know if you guys are up on your heavy machinery <laughs> terminologies. Do you not subscribe to uh, heavy machinery today? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I get Girl. that periodical <laughs> monthly. I do, but it's a different kind of magazine. Hey! Saucy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so saucy. <laughs> Amy gets when she doesn't get any sleep. I love it. Yes. They began digging where Susan had indicated Stephen's remains were and saw bones in the bucket of the backhoe. <gasps> they stopped immediately and were able to confirm that they had in fact discovered Stephen Delacino's grave. Mm-hmm. 
Afterwards, police reached out to both the Delacino and Haney families, oh. both of whom were obviously shocked and devastated by the information. For sure. Both sets of remains were sent to the lab for analysis, and the forensics for both men matched Susan's story. That is, they both died from gunshot wounds to the head, and there were places on their bones that indicated consumption by animals. Oh my god. Even after discovering Stephen and Robert's remains, detectives continued to excavate in search of more bodies. Uh Uh-huh. Working around the clock, they dug approximately 136 holes on the 20-acre farm, one of which was the size of an Olympic swimming pool. Oh, So these are not, like, little baby holes. Yeah. As they were digging, they found traces of other potential victims (gasps) on the property, which... The way that sound sounds very misleading because it makes it sound like there were human remains. What they really mean is that, according to her neighbor, Karen, quote, she had a whole back room full of personal belongings from people, furniture and televisions, oh, all so stacked she, like, in an area near the pigs in the barn. So it's quote. like effects. It's not body parts. Yes. I see. There was also a large pile of shoes that they found. That's suspicious. creepy as fuck. Yes. Which obviously... Could totally just be hoarder behavior of right? like, yeah. I just can't get rid of anything. If somebody gives me something, I'm going to keep it because I can't get rid and of it. And bury it because it's still with me. Because it's still with me. Yes. So it might not actually be like a serial killer trophy thing of like, oh, I have all these things right. for my kills. It might just be a gross hoarder thing. Yeah. No offense. While detectives found approximately 400 bones on the surface of the property They were all determined to be of animal origin and surprisingly no other human remains beyond Robert and Stevens were found on Susan Monica's property. Okay. Still determined to do their due diligence, detectives continued to delve into Susan's past by identifying all of the people who had stayed on her property over the years and tracking them all down to confirm they were in fact still alive. Yeah. Which again, surprisingly, they were all alive and accounted for. On April 15th, 2015, Susan Monica's trial began. Robert's son, Jesse Haney, said it was difficult to see Susan in court, knowing what she had done to his father. For sure. In the prosecution's opening statement, they posited that Susan Monica killed her employees during two heated arguments, then fed their bodies to her pigs. A former employee of Susan said, quote, Susie did have a short temper for some of her workers. I don't think killing somebody was any different than shooting a pig for her. End quote. Except she wouldn't shoot the fucking pig because she loves the fucking pigs. Dude. Exactly. She cares more about animals than people. She literally said it to the cops in her interview. She was and like, they're yeah. like, yeah. And he's like, you realize this is like not the time or the place for that? Detective Henderson went on to describe Susan Monica as a quote, intelligent, calculated woman who knew exactly what she was doing. Mm. End quote. A state police forensic anthropologist testified that Haney's legs had been chopped off with an axe and the thigh bone showed signs of being gnawed by an animal, but was not able to determine whether the axe blows came before or Or after after Haney died. She also testified that Delacino had suffered three to four gunshot wounds to the head. Shit. But due to the lack of intact remains, there was no evidence one way or another regarding the self-defense claim. Mm. During the course of Susan Monica's trial, the prosecution presented a surprise witness, Jordan. The pigs. I know. Oh my <laughs> God. I want you to write everything because this is the fucking, they had a threesome with the ET thing where I'm like, damn it, that's yes. so much better. <sighs> so good. Ah, oh, I love it. Ah, oh, okay. Damn it. I want the pig to go on the stage. 
I want the pig to go on the stand. Oink, 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 oink. If anyone has any sort of graphic of a pig design situation of a pig on the stand, we need it like really hard. Please. Oh my god. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I think that's yes, Your Honor. Uh, all right. So, surprise witness, Jordan Ferris, Susan's former cellmate, who she met in custody while awaiting trial. Oh, my God. And this bitch fucking sang like a canary. Of course, because what does everybody fucking do when they get in jail, Monique? They just, they blab, 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 blab. Run their fucking mouths to Shut anyone who would listen to them. up. Again, I'm not teaching you how to commit a crime, but so many people are so bad at this, <laughs> and you just keep seeing the same thing over and over again that it's exhausting again, how bad people are at this. You called this entire story from, like, page two <laughs> because of how obvious all of the shit is, people. Come on. God. Jordan said that Susan told her that she and Robert got into an argument because he was drunk and trying to come on to her. Uh, uh-huh. She told Jordan that she shot him and pushed him into the pig pen. She said that when she pushed him in, he was still struggling, and as the pig started to devour him, he was whining and crying and screaming. After Susan finished her story, Jordan said she just chuckled really creepily. Ew. Yeah. Then Jordan showed the court a birthday card Susan had given to her when they were cellmates back in 2015. (gasps) Susan had signed the card, quote, from the sweetest murderer in Jackson County, Susan B. Monica. You people are so fucking dumb. I Bitch, even if it's it. a joke. Like, come on. Seriously? No. You didn't think they were going to miss that in court? Come on. You sign that after you've been acquitted. Facts. Because then double je- jeopardy, blah, blah, blah. And then you can be like, mm-hmm. Also, parentheses, LOL. Did, was that so hard? JK. Seriously. Yes. That's Cover it. your ass. Thank you. That's it. You couldn't put two letters down there? JK, I'm super innocent. But like, haha. The pigs did it. <laughs> Jordan Ferris said, quote, she's not what she says she is. She's not just defending herself. She killed people on purpose, end quote. The defense claimed it was just a poorly timed joke and that Susan had always been known to have a strange, dark sense of humor. Same. But when I'm on trial for murder or I'm in prison for it. Back pocket. I'm definitely not writing that. I'm not having a physical piece of evidence that can be seen as me admitting to being a murderer. Correct. Yes, that's the intelligent thing to do. Here's the thing. I also believe myself to be of moderate intelligence at best. And even I'm like, I mean, that's not a great look. Yeah, even I know that's a bad idea. Yeah. Come on. Thank you. Apparently, Susan had even joked during her interviews with the police about allowing her pigs to consume humans. Like, that's how How fucking stupid. stupid she is. She's literally telling the cops that, like, joking with the cops, like, yeah. I would have fed them to my pigs. Yeah. I mean, you know the best way to get rid of a human body is pigs. I mean, yeah, the fact that I have like 17 pigs on my farm is completely unrelated. I just like pigs. Just But obviously. yeah, it's like fun fact, you know. The defense argued that dark humor notwithstanding, Susan had only killed in self-defense or in the case of Robert Haney out of mercy. Susan Monica was so sure of her innocence that, can you guess, Monique? I mean... There's one of two things that I'm guessing of one of like, I'm firing my lawyer and going to represent myself. Is that it? She didn't fire her lawyer, but she chose to represent herself. Oh my God. What did I say? Monique is fucking calling this shit. There are patterns, people. Yes. I do not 
work for the, I have a drama degree, okay? <laughs> I can't make this clearer, people. I don't, I've never worked for the FBI or. Are you sure? You're doing fucking bang up job right now. Thank you. It's, people are disgustingly predictable. Yes. Is, is what it is. And Heartbreakingly you see so, yeah. the pattern. Yes. Susan Monica was so sure of her innocence that not only did she insist on testifying, she also decided to represent herself. While she still retained a defense attorney, she also wanted the ability to question and cross-examine witnesses and make statements to the jury. You know, and that's the thing. I mean, clearly, like, full-on, like, psychosociopath. Like, full-on. Super narcissistic, Because the, of course. Yeah. And I think about this with the Ted Bundy trial because he notoriously represented himself. Yeah. The thing that is most fucked up to me about that is the like cross-examining witnesses <gasps> to did like the fucked up thing too. That yeah, it's almost like a way to get off again on hearing someone else talk about the awful thing you did. It totally is. Yes, it's like making them relive it for you for your entertainment. Exactly. Like, tell me about what I did to you. That was so awful that, that you will have to deal for life. the rest of your yes. life. That we literally had to bring people, other people into this situation. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Yeah. So her being like, I have to cross-examine witnesses. That's such a fucking power move. You're right. For sure. Yeah. It's like. It's gross. It's it's like when you see in, in movies when like there's a boss sitting at a table and they call in a subordinate in and the boss puts his feet on the table. <gasps> yep. It's such a power move to be like, look at my like shit stained shoes. That's how I That's feel. That's how little you. I feel. That's how yeah, little I think, I think of you. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the same thing, except it's a murderer being the worst. Yes. It's such a power move and it never fucking pays off. No. By the way. Never. According to those close to her, she was a narcissist who believed she could do everything better than everyone else. Yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah, clearly. She's not nailing it, though. No, not at all. The trial was an absolute circus, as I'm sure you can imagine. Of course. Susan would suddenly stand up and start making statements or answering questions in the middle of court. She even broke down during the trial, claiming that she couldn't bear to watch as her taped confessions were played for the jury. However- Because you sound like an asshole. Yeah. And you look hella guilty. So for sure. And everyone's like, that's not a cute look. And we kind of see what the fuck is up. So absolutely. Yeah. However, Susan's courtroom theatrics didn't impress the jury. Shockingly. Oh my God. And after deliberating for only an hour, holy shit, the jury delivered a guilty verdict. A murder charge in Oregon carries a mandatory life sentence. And at 67 years old, Susan Monica was sentenced to a total of 50 years in prison. Before she can even be considered for parole. Oh, shit. So she's going to be over uh, like 110, something like that. Yeah, 117. 117. Yeah. After the trial, prosecutor Alan Smith said, quote, This is the strangest murder I've ever heard about. I've had nightmares about this case for years, end quote. Despite not finding any more human remains on Susan's property, law enforcement wonders about the 17 bodies she claimed she could never tell them about and can't help but wonder if there are more of Susan's victims buried out there somewhere. Yeah. As for the possibility of Susan's other alleged victims, Detective Henderson said, quote, I believe 100% that there are more people out there, Mm. end quote. Susan Monica is currently serving out her life sentence at the Coffee Creek Correctional Facility in Oregon. To this day, despite her claims, no other bodies have ever been found on her property. And that is the story of Robert Haney, Stephen Delacino, 
and Susan Monica. Damn. Pigs, not quite for the win on this one. They slacked. But still, pigs for the win. Pigs for the win. That was amazing. Thank you. Uh, Definitely when it started, page one is not at all where I thought the story was going to go. Good. I kind of try to keep it a mystery sometimes. Yeah. So. I thought that this might have been like a transphobic, like I tried to... Hit oh. on you and then realize that you are trans and like oh definitely the fuck out. definitely could have gone that way now and then page two I was like oh no I understand no I see what this is. it's actually more cut and dry than you think yeah. it's gonna be it's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh yeah I did it for the pigs <laughs> I couldn't help it I had such an amazing time talking to Grace fuck yeah. while she was here and I just had pigs on the brain so much and I was gotcha. like I have to do a good pig story in honor of Grace Grace Queen Grace Queen Grace we're obsessed with you so did, so did you give it like a google search of like pig, pig murder? murder girl yes I'm obsessed with you I have literally the fucking weirdest search history I literally I mean, this morning had to google like can pigs eat bones like will they eat all of you because I need I really want to know because they said like yeah. she buried some of the remains and Verdict on that. They will basically digest everything but the teeth and the hair, and they can't digest bigger bones unless they are broken up. I see. So the reason that, like, the skull and the leg bones and stuff are just because they're so large. If those had been broken up into smaller pieces, yeah, they definitely could 100% be digested completely. But because Monica, what the fuck's her name? Susan Susan Monica, Monica, yes. Is the worst. The worst. Because from what I understand, they literally could have fed the pigs like his stuff and it would have been gone. Yeah. Or just like. Also don't murder people. Yeah, just don't murder people. Sometimes that needs to be said. I know that we're always telling you like to not talk. Sometimes just don't murder people. (laughs) Just don't murder people. (laughs) That was amazing though. Thank you. I'm so glad you liked it. I I thought it it was a crazy story. And like I said, I just had such an amazing time with Grace. And I had pigs on the brain and I have her adorable little pigs for the wind sticker. I hanging up in our podcasting room right now, so so good. I guess I could call it a studio officially. Yeah, our just studio. So bougie, yeah. Hey, hey. It's, like, it's just my office, you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, that's I don't have an office, <laughs> so that's bougie as fuck. <laughs> it's pretty bougie. <sighs> thank you so much for that. Oh my, oh god. my god, thank you for my amazing mummy slash daddy shirt, yes. and for giving me a UFO story because you knew exactly what I wanted for my birthday. Yeah, and you could ask Christina. I told her months ago, I'm like, for her birthday, I'm going to do an alien story. So, like, this has been in the works for, like, the majority of this. That's kind of the cutest thing I've ever heard, and I can't (laughs) handle it. Also, I have to tell you, I loved this shirt so much that I tried searching for this online, and I don't know if I didn't search the right thing or what, but I couldn't find it all, and I was convinced that Dandy had made this shirt personally, and, like, there weren't any more. So I'm actually so impressed and I feel like extra special that you found it. I got you. You got it from everything. I'm known to be a very good and thoughtful gift giver. You are fucking, yeah, you're totally on point. That is a Um, fact. But then I I set the bar too high that it's kind of impossible to reach again. So don't get super excited (laughs) for next year. I do the same thing. I'll have like three good years in a row and then I'm just like, you know what? I'm really tired. That was like three years of a lot of thought and effort and like. How about a Chili's gift card? I love chilies. Um, they have two for one booze. Thank you. I was like, I won't turn my nose up at chilies. Like, goddamn right. Their chicken is pretty bomb. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for that story. Thank you, as always. And thank you so much for listening, guys. If you don't already, you should follow us on Instagram at another fucking horror podcast. 
You can find me at Pin of Girl Mo. You can find me at Lobotomy, and that's Lobot, period, Amy. And every sixth episode is a True Listener Tales episode, so we're always collecting stories. So if you have a story of literally, what I, I don't know, anything. Even anything. If, you, if you work on a pig farm and you've seen them eat some crazy <gasps> shit, fucking let a bitch know. Email us at... I can think of that. I love that. I want every story. I want all the stories. You can email us at anotherfuckinghorrorpodcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking. And uh, if you like us and this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. It definitely helps us with our visibility. And we're trying to get this monetized so that we can leave our jobs and just do this. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> um, we're so obsessed with you. Thanks for being rad as fuck. Keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.